there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. This work was encoded by people who understood the path and the severe limitations of Western culture. It's important to understand that there's a difference between encoding and encrypting. To encode is to convert into coded form. For example, computing. They convert information or instruction into digital form, a form recognizable by the machine. They actually have a thing that's called assembly language or machine language in programming that they talk just to the machine, and this is the language. They talk just this language to the machine because this is what the machine understands, ones and zeros. So there's all this coded ones and zeros. The purpose of it is to communicate to the machine. That's encoding. Encrypting, on the other hand, is to convert information or data into a cipher, especially to prevent unauthorized access. So the difference between encoding and encrypting is one is to reveal and the other one is to conceal. Got it? Encoding is to reveal information. Encrypting is to conceal information. Now, in the world, the religious leaders who came into the world, the people who started these movements, they came to reveal. But the people who followed after them took what they revealed and then concealed it so that the only way that anyone could get it was to come to them and pay their price. This is the condition in which most things are in our world. And needless to say, there's a whole lot more encrypting than there is encoding going on on the planet. To understand this path, we must understand this very important difference. The purpose of one being to reveal, the purpose of other being to conceal, the purpose of one being higher, the purpose of the other being lower, the purpose of one being conscious, the purpose of the other being unconscious, mechanical. If we are to develop, we must understand the work as encoded instructions for us about the path. What path? Not this path. There is only one path. There is only one way. There is only one path. There are many different languages spoken on that one path. There is one map. There may be many different ways to get to that one point, but there's really only one way because that point is not north or south or east or west on the map. It's up. No matter what direction you move in, it's got to be up, whether it's north up, south up, west up, east up, or some variation thereof, it's got to be up. So if you're coming from the south, you've got to go up. If you're coming from the north, you've got to go up. If you're coming from the east or the west, you've got to go up. And this path and this work is about how to travel the path back to our real home, the only place that will find anything real, the only place that will find any real happiness, the only place that will find any real rest, repose, peace, the only place that will find any real joy is in our real home. Because religions had failed, Gurdjieff was trained and given a mission by conscious people to reveal the map in a form we could understand and possibly accept. Who's we? Well, we is the people who he first came to. He went first to Russia and then moved to Europe. And he himself had spent time in the East, a great deal of time in the East, most of his life in the East, learning, being trained in order to do 
this task that was given to him by these conscious people. It finally made its way to Europe, where it began to thrive, and then to America. And then Gurdjieff died, and that was that. And what we have left is what we have left after every originator leaves. We have left the encrypting. The encoding has stopped. The encrypting has begun. So what that means is now the concealing has begun. Now you have to have the secret handshake, or you have to have the secret position, or you have to have the secret dance, or the secret movement, or the secret secret. And you're not allowed to talk about it, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't tell anybody else. And now it's all about that. None of that stuff went on with Gurdjieff. None of that stuff. He had public displays of his dances. He had public meetings. These people, they did their things publicly. None of it was in secret like it is now. It's like they didn't need a sunshine law. And the reason they didn't need a sunshine law is because they knew what it was they were doing. They were encoding. They were trying to get a message across to people. And now what people are doing is encrypting. They're trying to conceal that message. So that the only way you can get that message is through them. The problem is, is they probably don't have the message themselves. So after you jump through all the hoops, what you'll end up with is nothing. And the reason you'll end up with nothing is because that's pretty much what they usually have. Or else why would they try and conceal it? If you've got a light, you don't hide it under a bushel or put it under a bed. You put it on a lampstand where everyone can see and benefit from the light, don't you? Yes, that's what you do. How do we know that? Because that's the truth. That's how we know that. That's the truth. When you have a light, you don't put it under your bed. You don't put it under a bushel basket. You put it on a lampstand where you can receive the light and others can benefit from the light. That's encoding. There's a difference between encoding and encrypting. Encrypting is hiding the light under the bushel, putting it under the bed, and then making people pay to come and see it or whatever. And what that means, what, what do I mean, pay? I mean, you sell tickets? Well, yeah, in a sense. Making them pay in some way, some form or another, whether it's to pay homage to you, whether it's to join your group, whether it's to contribute in this way or in that way. It doesn't matter. What is, everybody pays. That's what this world is about. Everybody pays, and that's fine. The work makes you pay, and you pay in advance. But it's not about paying me. It's about paying your dues to the work. Gurdjieff was not the first to be given such a mission, and certainly will not be the last. There have been innumerable messengers throughout human history. Some come with higher authority than others, but all come with something to help us remember what we've forgotten. And this is the important thing, to help us remember what we've forgotten, to put a light on the lampstand. That is the purpose of all of these esoteric things, to put a light on the lampstand. Why? To help us remember what we've forgotten. But doesn't it have to be hidden? What happens if people see the light and do bad things in the light? What if they take the light and they go and they, you know, like a flashlight, and they go and they rob banks at night? We have to protect everybody from that. We have to hide the light so that they can't do that. You see that insanity, that whole sick mindset, that whole encrypting, concealing mindset? It's contracting. It's not expansive at all. So it's important to note the limitations are always ours, regardless how often we forget that. The limitations are always ours. And then we imagine the work or its source is limited. We imagine that we have to limit the work. We imagine that we have to hide some of the light because people will do bad things with it, because people will misuse it. Well, if they do, they do. If the work isn't big enough to be misused, it's not good enough to be used. I can promise you that. If Christianity isn't big enough to be misused, it's not good enough to be used. Same thing with all religions that are worthy of the name. They all are about one thing, helping us to remember what we've forgotten. That's what they're for. If they're not for that, they're not a real religion. It's not a real school. 
We're the ones living in darkness, and our acquired habits and attitudes are what keep us here. The cure for darkness is not hiding the light. The cure for darkness is light. You don't shed light by hiding it. This work teaches that we were created perfect before we were born on this planet. Well, then if we were created perfect before we were born on this planet, do you remember that? No. And this work is about helping you to remember what you were created. Now, you can see how far we are from that. You can't remember what you had for lunch three weeks ago. So, what are the chances of you remembering what you were created as before you were born on this planet? Well, what is your earliest recollection from before you were born on this planet? We forget it. We don't, you know, and the, the people who do have recollections of before they were born on this planet are usually, they have a chemical imbalance and they're usually in an institution, or they will be soon. Gurdji said, behind essence lies real I, and behind real I lies God. We don't know God, but we're part of that perfection. We don't know God. We don't know God. If you think you know God, you, let me, I promise you, you don't know God. We don't know God, and yet we are part of that perfection. So, this work then becomes about remembering ourselves. Well, what is it that we're remembering? Well, we have to remember real I. What is real I? Behind essence lies real I. Behind false personality lies essence. So, we out here on the circumference of our lives are false personality. We are connected to life. But behind us is essence. And behind essence is real I. Behind real I is God. Clearly, what we know as ourselves is not perfect. If you were created perfect before you were born on this planet, clearly what you know yourself to be is not perfect. If you think it is, this is a grand delusion, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty incredible. If you've done any self-observation at all, and you can say, yes, I'm perfect, and I mean that the I that you think you are, not intellectually say, oh, yes, real I is perfect. You can say that, but you don't know that. You have no realization of that. Or if you do have a realization of it, it's in the past, or it's fleeting, or it's tiny. What then are we to make of what the work and all esoteric schools teach? We know we're not perfect, yet it says that we were created perfect before we were born on this planet. Confusion between essence and real I is common. What then are we to make of all this? Terms without practical experience are always confusing, but there's a purpose for terms, as there is for a flashlight in the dark. If you're going to just shine the light around and look, it's not the same thing as shining the light to see what's where so you can move towards something you may see. You can use a flashlight to look at things all day long, but never move, never move toward anything. Or you can use a flashlight to look at things and then, if you find your way, find something, move towards something. The people who use the flashlight to look around and just identify things and write books about them and give talks about them and tell other people about them and congratulate themselves on all the things that they've identified and collected and put trophies on the wall because they've identified this many eyes or that many eyes or this many states. That's fine. That's not changing your being. That's collecting, collecting data or data, 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 whatever. Most of us are satisfied with knowledge. That's the truth about us. Most of us are satisfied with knowledge. It meets all of our requirements. We get to dust it off, bring it out, show other people, impress them. We get to hit some people over the head with it and keep them in their place. We get to decorate our houses with it. We have all kinds of things we can do with knowledge. And it's all about self-love and it's all about self-emotions and it's all about self, self, self. And it goes nowhere because it just feeds false personality, making the tyrant, the despot, even a more terrible tyrant and despot. But that's what most of us are happy with. We're good with knowledge. That's enough. That's fine. It's a great and terrible day when we become dissatisfied with knowledge. It's a great day because of the possibilities. It's a terrible day because it is crushing. 
we realize that everything, everything was a lie. We have somebody going through this right now. They realize that all of their knowledge is meaningless, that all of the knowledge that they have collected and used to claw their way to the top of life has left them at the top of a dung heap. And it's tragic when you realize that. What's even more tragic is if you don't realize it as a great day. If you let it get to you, if you let the dung heap make you stink like the dung heap, then your life stinks. But if you realize that the realization of it was separating yourself from the dung heap, then you have a possibility. That's when it becomes a great day. If you live through the shock of realizing who you took yourself to be as a lie, a fiction, an illusion, a construct, you, as you now know yourself, don't exist. This is a fictional character, no different than a fictional character in a book. The only place that fictional character in the book lives is in someone's imagination when they read the book. And that's it. Real I does exist. And essence can connect with real I, the part of you that was created perfect. Real I remains at a higher level, fully developed, while essence descends into hell. That is this pain factory that we're in now. Essence has descended into this. Essence has forgotten real I and become lost in what was acquired here in the pain factory. False personality, imaginary I, is what was acquired. So what essence was coated with, what it acquired as it rolled through this hell, this pain factory, as it tumbled through all of this gunk and crust and stuff stuck to it, that's false personality. That's imaginary I. Okay, that's what that is. Imaginary I is when our sense of self goes into false personality and that we imagine that that is a real thing. The work awakens us here in hell and urges us to begin the process of disidentification. I know disidentification isn't a word, but it should be, because it's a good word, because that's what we have to do. We have to disidentify. We have to pull away and stop identifying with all of this mess that we're in. The work gives us the tools necessary to do this, gives us the tools. That means Westerners. gives Westerners the tools. Now, when people in the East have allowed their traditions to be usurped and sullied by Western traditions, they need it too then. And there are people in the West who should be in the East, but that's neither here nor there. You understand that it's not a locale, it's not geography, it's about mindsets, it's about abilities, the ability to be more emotional, the ability to be less scientific, less intellectual. You can polish arrange, display, sell your tools, or use them. Unfortunately, in this world, a lot of people polish, arrange, display, or sell their tools instead of use them. You people who are tradesmen know that your tools are your living, so you take care of them and you wouldn't think of selling them. Why? (laughs) Because you know that you can earn whatever you need with those tools. It's a rare individual who uses the tools that the work offers. Because essence has forgotten real eye, it's clear that essence must develop. Well, what does develop mean? We talk about developing all the time, but what does it really mean? Well, developing means remember. That's what it means. Essence must remember. It must remember its source. It must remember real eye. It has fallen so far down, it must be coated with personality to develop to the level of good householder. Let's talk a little bit about this. So here, essence has fallen from the stars. And here it is down here in this pain factory. And now, in order for it to survive here, it has to somehow develop this coating. It has to somehow develop something to protect it from this place where it's fallen to. 
And so it develops personality. But then part of that is false personality because it acquires these other things from these other sleeping people here. And so it develops false personality. And in order to live here, it then puts its sense of I in false personality because that is what helps it survive, it thinks. The truth is that personality helps it survive. What's the purpose of personality? The purpose of personality is very simple. It's the first education. The purpose of personality is to keep you from being an animal. You see, your essence is here in an animal body. Well, what's to keep it from doing the things all the other animals do? Well, your first education. Personality is to keep it from doing the things that all other animals do. Well, animals have personality, yes, but it's instinctive. But the personality you develop is something that comes from your first education. Now, when your first education is bad, then you develop a lot of false personality. When your first education is good, you develop a rich personality. What is a rich personality? A rich personality is someone with manners, someone who is able to see the benefit of not slaughtering innocence, someone who is able to see the benefit of not giving way to every animalistic lust that the body has, someone who is able to say no to some things, someone who flies into a, an animalistic rage but is able to control himself through personality, through education, control himself so that he doesn't kill every living thing that offends him. Do you understand what I'm saying? You take that away from man, and he's a beast. Do you remember that book, Lord of the Flies, where they took these proper little English boys and they put them on an island, and this whole thing is how they basically turn back to savages? They smear themselves, they're out there killing, or they make spears, they're killing each other, killing animals. They're worshiping a pig's head covered with flies. They're smearing themselves with blood, and it's the survival of the fittest. That's the animal part of us. Essence is coded in, and it needs to get away from that. And personality is the way to get away from that. And that's why you must become a good householder. A good householder is someone who has developed to the point, he's developed his personality to the point where he no longer has to yield to the savage instincts of the beast body that he's in. Do you understand? Good. Then he realizes that life doesn't have what he wants, that life can never give him what he needs, what he wants, that it has to come from somewhere else. And that is where this work comes in, or that is where the work comes in. When I say the work, again, I do not mean the fourth way. I will not limit esotericism to one school of thought. I think that that's abominable. And it's ridiculous. And if you do it, that's fine. That's your business. But that personally, for me, that is not acceptable for me. For me to do it. You to do it, that's just fine. You do whatever you want to do. But for me, it's not acceptable. Good householder is what separates us from the lower animals, if we're separated at all. Most are not. Peter, for example, the disciple of Jesus, said, But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. If you ever want to read that whole thing, it's in Second Peter chapter 2. So you can read that if you'd like. The point is, is that this is nothing new. You see, people have been talking about this for thousands of years. The fact is that this is our struggle. Essence has fallen into a bad place. It doesn't matter how you got here. Everybody wants to know, well, how did it happen? Why did it get here? Don't worry about it. The fact is you're here. Now, if you want to spend your time wondering how you got here and backtracking, then you can do that. Or you can spend your time getting out. Which do you think makes more sense? That's what I think, too. I think getting out makes more sense than knowing the history of how I got here. I mean, history is great, but the one thing we, that we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. 
So we can study history forever, but we, we don't learn from it. It's just time to get out. All this is the rightful action of the laws under which our ignorance keeps us imprisoned. See, this suffering wrong is the wages of doing wrong. Well, this is the law of this hell. This is the law of this plane. This is the law of this planet. We're under 48 orders of laws here, according to the work. What does that mean? What that means is we're under a lot of laws. And while we're under these laws, we will be subject to these laws. It is only when you begin to free yourself from some of these laws by raising your state of consciousness, by raising your level of being, that you are no longer subject to those laws. You're a parent. If you have a child, the child is subject to laws that you are not subject to. That's the way that is. And so it goes. If you're a fish, you're subject to certain laws that someone out here is not subject to. If you're a dog, you're subject to certain laws that a human being is not subject to. So you can better your position too. You don't have to be subject to all these laws, but you have to know how to get out from under them. And that's what this work is about, teaching you how to get out from under them so that you can move from freedom to freedom instead of from prison to prison, as we do now. We can never work our way out alone. Without help, we cannot escape. This is the big crux. This is the big problem for Westerners. Westerners want to do it all alone. Westerners don't want to depend on anybody. Westerners don't mind using somebody, but they're certainly not going to have somebody above them, and they're certainly not going to humble themselves. And so we have this work. Our help comes in the form of real eye, master. But essence must learn to recognize and turn away from false personality to real eye, to master. You see, Westerners don't like, we don't talk much in the work about master. The reason we don't is because we don't like that idea. Westerners don't like the idea of having a master. Easterners have no problem with it at all. But Westerners have a huge problem with it. I don't mind being the master, but I'm not going to have, no man is my master. I'm the king here, and I'm, this is my castle, and blah, 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 blah. All this stupidity that we go through. But this is where we're at. This is the culture that we're in. And so this is how the work has to come to us. To this end, we begin the long, painful process of removing our identification from people, things, events, and the world that is revealed to us through the five senses. The reason it's a long, painful process is because we are so in love with it. We are so attached to it. We have invested so much of our life into it that now, at this late stage of the game, to have someone tell us it's all worthless makes us crazy, makes us very depressed and despondent and discouraged. Real I, master, is higher. Higher means internal, not external. Essence, with contact with real I, master, is drawn up to higher states under fewer laws. This is how it works. Your essence will be drawn up by its contact with real I, master. And as it's drawn up, it will leave this insanity of all these 48 orders of laws. It will leave that, and you will begin to be freed from that. So you'll be drawn up to higher states under fewer laws. As we are, we suffer justly under the laws of cause and effect, karma. But Master will draw essence up to merge with real I. That's what this work teaches, ultimately. You won't hear it a lot. The reason you won't hear it a lot is because most people are still playing in the false personality. Nothing wrong with that. There's still tree marking. Nothing wrong with that. But you can mark trees forever. You can mark trees again and again and again forever. There comes a time when you've got to make a decision. Do you want out or not? Beyond this, I don't know. I've glimpsed master, real eye, and higher states, but only a little way compared with what is above us. So yeah, I, I, I know about some things that are a little higher than most other people know about. 
but compared with what's up there, I may as well not know anything at all. It's just a joke. We're all in the weeds. It's just that sometimes there's somebody a little taller and they can see beyond the weeds, and that's it. They got to boost somehow and they can see a little bit beyond the weeds. And so, you know, you have a choice. You can go or you can stand there and say, hey, look, there's something beyond the weeds and try and get other people to go. I've spent my life saying, hey, look, there's something beyond the weeds and trying to get other people to go. That's over. I'm done doing that. Now it's time for me to go. So that's what I'm going to do. And you can do whatever you want to do. And like I said, I'll come back here. I'll show up here and I'll do this for as long as you show up here or as long until as, as long as I, I'm still breathing. I'll keep coming back here and as long as you show up and I'll do this. But with only one purpose, to get out of this. And if you don't want to get out of this, then you're wasting your time here with me. If you just want to make a better nest here, then go somewhere else. If you want out of this, then get to work. Our task is to be able to come and go at will. That's our job. We'll be able to come and go at will. For this, we must be free from identification with the body and all other matter. The thing about this planet is it's made of matter, and the body is made of matter. And the matter of this planet and the matter of our body is made of the same matter. And so it's changing at the same rate. Well, if something is changing at the same, at the same rate as something else, then you can't see any change. So you can't see what's going on here because your body is changing at the same rate as the matter on this planet. As soon as you begin to withdraw from this body consciousness, this five-sense consciousness, this planet consciousness, as soon as you get a little bit higher from that, all of a sudden you see that it's changing and you're not. There is something real, eternal about you that never changes. That is real I. That is what you need to remember. That's the only way out of this. If you stay in this, then all of this changes at the same rate you change. You just keep doing this again and again and again and again and again. It's a wheel. But if you pull yourself up out of this by identification with real I, attachment to real I through essence, then essence will develop and become strong enough to shed this completely. I hope that wasn't too complex. That's the way it is. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at solidrockvista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.